0: Welcome to Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Marie Bonner. Listen for commentary, interviews, and information on how to grow your business. For all the details, contact business scale insights Network.com. So, Empire Builders, are you ready? Here's Kimberly Marie Bonner.
1: Hello, Empire Builders. Welcome back to another episode of Business Scale Insights with your host, Kim Bonner. I'm so happy to be back in the saddle on WSBR. A new day, new time, Thursdays at 1230 with my dear friend, the wonderful Julia Aquino Serrano. She is very well known all over South Florida. I think every time I meet someone, Julia, and I say your name, they're like,
0: oh my God, I know
1: her. So she is just so incredibly well connected and she's, you know, kind of Born and reared here in the South Florida area? I am.
2: It is true. It is true. South Florida native. Hialeah in the house.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So love her. Love her spirit. She's also a bit of, um, I would say, a finance accounting guru. Uh, And uh, I hate to say this. I don't want to be stereotypical about the accounting types that I've met and the finance types that I've met. But you are very unusual to have that level of expertise in that space and also be as... What's the word? Um, You you also have a a deep understanding of emotional connection and how to connect with people on a human level, not just the numbers. And so did I say that in a nice enough gentle way? You did. And I think...
2: (laughs) I think that that actually has come from doing a lot of personal work. Okay. Uh, And the way, the reason I'm the numbers person and the reason I love it so much is literally I was that girl back in the day when girls didn't do math. Yes. I was the girl who excelled in math. Okay. And I love math. And so accounting really came naturally for me, you know, my undergrads in finance Mm -hmm. and my MBA with a specialization in accounting because I never wanted to be a CPA per se, but I wanted the accounting knowledge to do the work that I do.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Well, you, I'm i not a numbers person, but I was raised by a lot of numbers people. My grandmother was a numbers gal. She was a mathematical mind. My aunt wrote calculus textbooks back wow. in the day. So they're really no num- And I, it was like I would sit at the dinner table like, am I really related to these people? Because <laughs> 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 I am so not that. But um Tell us a little bit more. You you gave us a little bit of a background about yourself, uh, the whole finance accounting piece. Uh, you love numbers. Then kind of tell us a little bit more about your career trajectory and what you're doing now.
2: Sure. So uh, when I first got out of college, what I was doing was I was working as a financial analyst many, many moons ago. And the reason I think I was so successful in that role is because I didn't just analyze the numbers and give someone a report. To me, I actually need to understand the why. Why did the numbers look the way they did? What did the analysis actually tell? What was the story? Oh, okay. And so being able to report on that really literally out of school because that's the way my mind works Mm -hmm. made me very valuable. But what happened was as I went along the path, as I started to recognize that the numbers told the story of the operations and the operations and how the operations were run reflected in the numbers, Mm-hmm. And so taking those two pieces and utilizing them together to make managerial decisions became very important on my path. And so that actually is what brought me into All Systems Grow, which is my consulting company. And really looking at not not just the numbers, because people will call me and say, my sales are stuck, I can't improve my sales. And it's always so much more than the numbers. And it's generally always about the people and the operations. So I combine the two, and I look at both, and I can actually logically look at a process and see if it makes sense and align that process to understand how it
1: actually directly affects the numbers and work to improve both. That is beautiful. So I would imagine a lot of people come to you because you have that kind of focus, you come have that kind of specialty, and not a lot of... I guess maybe there are a lot of other people out there that do what you do, but it sounds like you um, have a level of expertise that maybe others don't?
2: I think that it's really the way I use the expertise. There's okay. probably people that are smarter than me and that may be CPAs and and maybe better than me in in how a transaction is booked all the way down the line. But what I think I do that's unique is I actually combine the strategy, the operational processes, the financials, and the people. So I actually help to look at having the right people in the right roles and ensuring that if we have the right people in the right roles, that they're, they are working effectively. So really kind of throwing in some coaching. So I think it's the combination of all of them. And like you said, sort of that emotional human connection side that I use uh, because it's so near and dear to my heart and making sure that, that we're dealing with people, not numbers.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's the, one of the reasons and you're kind of the listening audience can can glean why I invited you on the show is because you have a way of being able to explain numbers and finances in a very human way uh, in a storied way and that's a tremendous gift <laughs> Thank you. Thank not you. a lot of people have that ability um, and that's coming from a you know former lawyer who's a word person so I really do appreciate it and I think our listening audience will be able to take a lot from this these two shows I'm going to have you for not just one but two um um, one of the things, one of the reasons why I brought you on the show is financial literacy for business owners. Mm-hmm. I deal with people all the time who want to do big things with their businesses. Um, they come to me because I'm known as Scale Pro or they want to franchise their business. And one of the first conversations I have with every business owner, so please don't call me. Don't send me an email <laughs> like, you know, uh, Kim, what, what, why are you talking about business, you know, or profit margin, and all the other stuff after having a two-minute conversation with me? Well, it's because it's just – it's critical. Like mm-hmm. I – I, as much as I might love you or like you or think you're a terrific person um, if you don 't know your numbers, if you haven 't wrapped your head around your numbers, what is there for me to scale it 's kind of like trying to cook a meal and i don 't i don 't even know what I have to work with to gr- make this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful meal so I brought you on because I think it's just a missing component for a lot of business owners. And I understand business owners, if you're listening to me right now, um, it's not a judgment against you. It's just I think because of our schooling, K through 12 and college and many people just aren't raised around businesses or business owners that numbers scare people. Or, and they, they just feel afraid of numbers or they just don't in, uh, appreciate how important some of these concepts are. So for the next two shows, we're just going to try to break things down for people to get them uh, to a higher level of financial literacy, particularly if they are um, indeed business owners. Now, you've told me. Uh, a few times. You have to know your numbers to grow your numbers. I love that statement. So what exactly do you mean by that? Uh, That is just
2: my number one statement. And the reason why is because our numbers, like you said, tell the story. And so what happens is if we don't actually understand our numbers and we're making really management or entrepreneurial decisions on growing our business without understanding how those actions affect the numbers, we are gonna screw something up. One of the biggest things we mess up is pricing. Absolutely. Oh my goodness! Can I tell? <laughs> we've a, had this. We've already quick, had this
1: conversation before. Yeah. I got to
2: tell my one-minute pricing story. So I go into uh, a gentleman who has this amazing business, amazing business concept. He's telling me he has high profit margins and uh, very unique business, and he's really one of the few in the game. Big clients, the whole thing. So I said, okay, so if you're making all this money, your profit's so high, where are your expenses? So his expenses weren't that huge. So I said, something's got to be wrong. So your profit margin's going to be wrong. I said, show me where your, your costs. I, I want to see the breakdown of your costs to understand how you decided your pricing. So he took out a yellow notebook that had handwritten notes on his costs. And I said, w- w- wait a minute. This isn't in QuickBooks or anywhere. He goes, no, 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 this is all in my head <laughs> and i said and and he was like a three million dollar business at this point and wow, I, yes, but not all in his head not making any money oh, and okay. so he was actually operating in a loss, and so when I actually looked started to look at his costs and what he did took labor, I said, Where's the labor costs? And he goes, Well, I pay them off the books, And I said, All right. That's illegal, but regardless, <laughs> uh, regardless, I said, where is that cost on your yellow, you know, tracking sheet? Oh. Well, it's not there. I said, that's a major part of your production would be my guest. And when we added it in, he was making the product for free. Wow. Because he didn't understand... He was so worried about keeping it off the books. It didn't even occur to him that that was important in the pricing. He was only looking at the pieces that went into making it and not the labor. So the labor was nowhere to be found. And so his pricing was completely wrong. Completely wrong for three
1: years. Amazing. So was he just basing his pricing off of what he perceived in the market? He well, So again, he was one of three. And he had the,
2: quote, lowest price. Well, there was a reason he had the lowest price. Absolutely. Because his costs were incorrect. And so he priced it without a major component of his costs. But, again, this is someone who had never been in business before. Right. And so in his mind, how you made a product had to do only with the actual physical, tangible pieces that went into building that product and so the labor was never considered so the pricing was completely off and labor was about 54% of the cost
1: and labor is always such a high component mm-hmm. to developing any business business model period yep. you're absolutely right so is that is <laughs> is the cost issue or and or the pricing issue a consistent error that you see in almost every business that you work with? Like there's a flaw that people have just have not thought about what it takes to, what, what is the cost to manufacture XYZ? Well, not not all the time, but yes, quite
2: often uh, their pricing is off based on what they believe their costs are. But what they're actually not looking at either is how their expenses line up against their sales. So a lot of times your sales will be increasing and your expenses are increasing at a higher rate than sales. Absolutely. So they think, but my sales are increasing, so I should be making more money. And, and that may be the case, but you're traveling more or you're spending more money on people. You've hired at a quicker rate than your sales have grown. You're investing many other reasons. But if you don't understand the, that relationship, you just think your sales are growing. So you're not looking at really the relationship
1: of all these line items to the sales. Awesome. Well, we'll continue this when we come back from the break. Thank you.
0: If you already have a proven business model, but have concerns about the best way to grow and scale, then you should contact the experts at New Day Consulting Systems. New Day uses innovative techniques to 10 times the impact of your business. Your local business can become a regional, national, or international enterprise. New Day Consulting Systems will show you how. For more information and to get started with New Day, visit the website at NewDayConsultingSystems.com. One word, NewDayConsultingSystems.com. To get your business off the ground and into orbit, contact New Day today. Kimberly Marie Bonner helps millions make millions on Business Scale Insights Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. on WSBR. Business Scale Insights helps your business move from startup to scale up and is sponsored by New Day Consulting Systems. New Day Consulting Systems can help turn your business into a franchise and scale it globally. Interested? Go to their website, NewDayConsultingSystems.com. And don't forget to tune in Thursdays at 1230 for Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Marie Bonner.
1: And we are back with Julia Aquino-Serrano. And we're talking about financial literacy for business owners. And we were talking about uh, concepts like price and cost And I just want, Julia, to kind of give us an overview of some of the key concepts that you think every business owner should really grasp in order to either be financially literate for their business or to increase their financial literacy for their business.
2: Okay, sure. I think uh, the first one is actually profit margin. And that is understanding your difference between costs and sales as a percentage of sales. And that profit margin is very important to understanding what you have left to spend on operating your business. So on an income statement, or what we call a profit and loss, you're going to have your sales, your cost of goods sold, and then your, your gross profit. And then you have operating expenses. So those operating expenses are things like advertising, or rent, or payroll, or anything that is actually an extra expense to operating the business that has nothing to do with building or selling the product. Okay, and then once you subtract those operating expenses from your profit, your gross profit, you end up with your net operating income. And those, just that alone, just understanding that those concepts on your income statement is very important to understanding how much money the business is making. Absolutely. Now, the greatest confusion for people is, but I have profit. Where's my money? Yes. Right? So my cash flow is negative, but I made $100,000 this year. How is that possible? Why don't I have $100,000 in my bank? And so the difference between your net operating income and cash flow is that you're actually spending money in other places like debt or investing on the balance sheet side so we have those two major financial statements the income statement and the balance sheet the balance sheet is where we keep things like assets liabilities and equity and the assets are the fun stuff like cash in the bank inventory (laughs) right and then liabilities and equity is actually the money you as an owner put into the business Or liabilities like debt, such as credit card and that. So if I made $100,000 on the income statement side, but I don't have any money, it's probably because I invested money or spent money on something on the balance sheet side.
1: That's a good way of saying, yes.
2: Does that make sense? Correct. And so on the balance sheet side, where that $100,000 may be sitting is in inventory. Inventory that hasn't yet sold. So if I have an inventory sitting on the floor of let's say three hundred thousand dollars, that other hundred thousand is probably sitting in that inventory. Or if I have been putting things on credit cards and I have acquired debt as a startup, let's say, and I pay thirty thousand a month to credit cards or line of credits, that's coming out of my cash flow. It's, it doesn't mean I didn't make that hundred thousand. I made that hundred thousand. I was profitable a hundred thousand dollars but I may have used that $100,000 somewhere on the balance sheet side. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely.
1: So when um, when you're dealing with a client and they're having cash flow issues, is it often because they have made a miscalculation as far as their debt service or inventory? Is that just it every single time?
2: I think that... Uh, there's multiple reasons. Okay. But a lot of times it's because they don't understand this other side where the money is residing. And a lot of times what happens is, especially startups and, and smaller entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say smaller. I've, I've dealt with this, with, you know, $10 million companies, but the, the company becomes their personal piggy bank. Mm-hmm. And so they will just write themselves a check and put it under owner's draw. Or they'll take it out of equity or they'll pay their own personal credit card with it or they'll pay for their car. There's there's other money coming out that actually does not serve the business, but is is taking money from the cash flow. And that's a big one in the startup phases and, you know, up to about 10 million dollars. They don't realize how much they've spent. Because it's not showing up on their income statement. It's coming out of the balance sheet where Absolutely. their equity
1: was. Absolutely. Are there any other concepts that you think um, business, entrepreneurs, business owners need to know to really shore up their financial literacy?
2: Sure. I think that really looking at your expenses in relation to sales. So, for instance, payroll to sales as a percentage of sales. So if your sales are 100000 in a month, and your payroll is 50,000 in a month, then your payroll to sales ratio is 50%. And here's why that's important. Because if your sales increase to 120,000, but your payroll stays at 50,000, right? Because your capacity may be much larger mm-hmm. on the payroll side than, than your sales are at this moment, right, because you're growing. Now your percentage to sales has gone from 50% to about 42%. So you're actually becoming more efficient. A lot of times it happens in the opposite way, where your sales will increase, but your payroll increases at a higher rate than your sales are increasing. So your sales go to 120,000 in the month and your payroll goes to 70,000. So now you're no longer at 50% and you certainly didn't go down to 42%, but now you're at almost what's that 60%, mm-hmm. you know, 58%. So you're becoming less efficient
1: and so for some business owner who's becoming less efficient how what would you advise them to do just increase sales what would you what would you do
2: we'd have what? to look at what's actually going strategically in the company because okay. a lot of times me from the outside looking in says "Ooh, you're becoming less efficient and then i'll ask them what's actually going on and they may say oh, no, 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 we're investing in people because we actually expect sales in the next three months to be at 180,000 and we need to do the the training. So we'll be more efficient in five months. Or they'll say, oh, I didn't realize. we You know, they told me we needed more people and I hired. And so if you're actually looking at your ratios and you're looking at them in respect to sales, you can actually start to make decisions based on that information and say, hey, we got to $100,000 with 50,000 in payroll. What is the capacity of those of those employees at 50,000? Where can they get me to in sales? Oh, that level grouping of people can bring you to 170,000. Awesome. When I start getting to 160,000, then I know I'm going to have to hire. Right. But we actually until we look at those relationships to sales, We're just going to be looking at whether or not sales are increasing, whether or not expenses are increasing. We have to look at them in relationship to each other.
1: Solid. Well, you know, one thing that I I also encounter over and over again with business owners is not just a fear of numbers, a version I'm sure you have to deal with that, but um, this idea that, okay, well, since I'm not a numbers person, Mm. I'm going to defer all of the responsibility for understanding my, my numbers to someone who's much smarter than me, like Julia Quino Serrano. And she's going to be my CFO and I'm just going to give that to her and I'm going to pay her a boatload of money Mm -hmm. for her to figure that out. And I'm going to be on the beach thinking big, big thoughts for the next kind of Tesla-like idea that's out there, because I'm a visionary and I can't be bothered with these numbers like that, and that's why I pay brilliant people like Julia. So what's what could possibly be wrong? <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly that's a be- <laughs> whole other show, girl? <laughs> what could possibly be? I mean, I don't want to really be the most financially literate person in the world. That's why I pay people like Julia. And this is, and I know. People who are listening, many of whom are business owners, are thinking that. I don't need to really know this. I don't need to. Because that's why I pay you, Julie, because you're a genius. And you can do that for me.
2: That's right. And I am. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that is not going to protect you. There you go. And so what I tell all anyone that I work with, I teach them what they don't know. Oh. And I urge them. That if it is not me that they're dealing with, that they know and understand and get reports and know what's happening. Because when you don't know, <laughs> someone can walk away with the whole kitty. And that's the truth. And the other thing is, it happens all this the time. Is, it happens all the time. No one is as loyal to you and your brand as you are. You have to know what's going on. I don't care if you're sitting on the beach. Looking at the spreadsheet I send you. But you need to be looking at it. And you also need to know if something doesn't look right. Right. And the only way you can do that is by understanding what's being presented. Now, when it comes to the belief system that I'm not good at numbers, I want to shake them. And generally that is women
1: absolutely that tell
2: me that and i i know i know that it came from childhood i know that it came from the school system because they used to they used to talk to me like i was this oh my gosh she knows numbers (laughs) yeah oh i'm not special (laughs) i just like numbers and i study so we i want people (sighs) to realize that they are capable of being a numbers person they are capable of of understanding and learning well they have to be willing to step outside that little comfort box right and understand how important those numbers are and when knowledge is power in that power is where we get to make change build our business grow our business without it we cannot
1: i completely agree with you i think the key is making making numbers understandable for you like everybody learns differently mm-hmm. uh, and I had to get past my numbers issue by turning as to your point numbers into a story mm-hmm. and so when I was managing a department uh, many many moons ago I had to get into the groove of creating a story behind every line item and the storification of my numbers helped me mm-hmm. Love looking at the uh, those statements every single you know month. It wasn't a chore. It was like, oh wow, you know, I get to figure this kind of storyline out. I get to uh, figure out which are the missing pieces to this plot, et cetera, and so forth. It definitely worked for me. Um, but we're g- coming to the end of our, our little session here. Thankfully, there's a part two to this. Um, but I hope everyone who's listening, you got a lot out of this first session because it's chock full of great stuff. And if you if you want to hear more, come back part two next week. Thanks so much.
0: You have been listening to Business Scale Insights with Kimberly Marie Bonner. To get her personal attention to you and your empire, go to BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. That's BusinessScaleInsightsNetwork.com. And tune in again next week for more from Kimberly Marie Bonner with Business Scale Insights.